When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on keeping a tidy lawn, disagreeing respectfully, carpool conundrums, and carefully offering your support. For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, our question is about higher etiquette in the age of COVID-19. Plus your most excellent feedback, Etiquette Salute, and the next postscript in our series on conducting a very basic self-image assessment. All that's coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in Vermont and Martha's Vineyard and is proud to be produced by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. Good morning, Lizzie Post. (laughs) Good morning. It is really fun to be calling you this morning from Martha's Vineyard and seeing a lovely ocean view in my makeshift setup office down here at my mom's family's summer place. (laughs) I'm not bitter. I'm not angry at you for anything. (laughs) I um, I did go down, actually, to Fuller Street Beach. I tried to do it when you and I were trying to FaceTime to, uh, two days ago. And I was like, oh, I know. I'll go into town and I'll get service and then I'll, I'll FaceTime Dan from Fuller Street Beach and I can even show him the Emily Post house as I go by. And, um, y- you know, with somebody else driving my car. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, pulling over totally respectfully. No, I, I would. I would pull over to show you the garden. But I did go. Um, I couldn't get you on the phone because the reception wasn't that good down there. Um, but it was really fun to go take a quick look at, at Fuller Street Beach and um, also to go by go by the gardens um, and and see Emily's gardens. It was uh, it was it was both like really wonderful to see them, and it it does make me really sad. I mm-hmm. miss I miss being in that house. I miss. I miss seeing the gardens what they were when we were kids. And I know that's just like holding on to history and not letting things move forward. But like there was a part of me that even though I I actually we know the the woman who gardens um, that garden now. And there was a guy across the street who said that garden's taken care of by the best gardener on the entire island. And it was really cool to hear that because Jenna is really amazing and like. She's she used to be up in Vermont and worked for my parents, and so it was cool to then see her now taking care of the Emily Post Gardens. Um, but the the dahlias were so short; they Oops. like they like hadn't grown yet, and the the garden is so much shorter. And the um the morning glories that go up the side of the living room, um, that kind of are at the end of the garden as you're looking down down through it. Um, they haven't like grown and spread yet, and so they're not up and doing that thing. <laughs> they're these beautiful. Like, I always think of them like ballerina 
flowers. Um, sort of entwining and, up around the shutters and framing yeah, the window. And ra- yeah, yeah. And framing the window. And that's, it's kind of, so it's kind of, it reminded me a lot of, um, if you ever went down to our house when you were a kid uh, there in June and the garden yet hadn't like blo- like really bloomed and busted out the way it is by August, you know, um, it reminded me of that where it was like, oh, everything's like short, and, like not yet there yet. Um, but it's it's really tidy. It's really well kept. I think Emily would be really happy. I'm sure Aww. she is really happy to see it growing. Um, and they put this cool pergola out in the back. But anyway, I did I did as you asked, and I went down and I got a little inspiration there. But I was sad I couldn't connect with you when I was actually there. I'm delighted that that you get a, a gold star. You completed your homework. We'll see at the postscript whether everyone completed their homework this week or not. But <laughs> you definitely did your job. Well done. <laughs> thank you thank you thank you um but yeah no i'm i'm down here on the vineyard and writing um i can't tell you how good it has been for me um living in a house alone in vermont coming down and living with my parents for a couple of weeks um to actually write and and get things going and we're we were in a pod up in vermont together so we felt safe about doing this and because it's unreal to have someone else cook and decide dinner for you I'm like, this is amazing. This whole like being around other people, having other people in your household with you. Woo! I like it. I like it a lot. I miss it. <laughs> it's the little things. I'm going to text your parents and tell them to keep bringing you plates of food at the computer. <laughs> <laughs> they don't actually do that. Um, <laughs> it's not quite that hand uh, weighted on hand and foot, but they it is it is unreal to just be like, oh my gosh, like this. They made this like beautiful pasta dinner, and it was just so like we all ate just huge platefuls of this homemade pasta, and it was like a really simple sauce, but it was just like. It was so wonderful. It was so wonderful. It it I I have been floored at how much room it leaves in my brain to be getting the work done to not have to think about certain other things like just even things like tidying up it just happens like and I take care of my own stuff but like they they take care of their stuff too and so things move around the house without me or Sonny doing it and it's really it's been fascinating to kind of be with other people again in this way the evidence of human company yeah Guys, you might want to check in with me like a month down the road. I like <laughs> I know isolation might be getting to me. <laughs> it's only been 6 months. I don't know what you're complaining about. <laughs> and the funny thing is like I see people like when I'm at my home, when I'm in my home like you see your neighbors, you know, like I see them regularly. I have really good neighborhood relationships. I have friends who come by, but it is very different living with other people again. I'm very grateful. <laughs> I love the spirit and I love that this trip is working out. I know it was something you were really looking forward to and I've seen the work product flowing my way, but it's good to get the the human connection and to, to hear that you're feeling good about it too. Well, cuz before we get to some questions, I did just want to take a minute to say thank you to you no, because yesterday you don't need to thank yes. Me. <laughs> yesterday I got off our phone call so jazzed because audience Dan uh listened while I read some of the 20th edition of Emily Post etiquette that I'm working on Woo-hoo! to him and he gave really positive good feedback, which was great cuz I'm pretty sure we're co-authors on it. <laughs> um but it's been 
been it's been a really fun writing process to get into. And so it was just really encouraging to have you kind of like there for me, cheering me on with it and liking what what I was putting out there. And and it's it's been tough. This is a big book and it felt really good to feel like I'm off to a start that that I can work with. (laughs) Well, th- this is not me trying to minimize your thanks. I uh, appreciate it, receive it, and say <laughs> it was a treat for me too. You sound like you when you read the book. And to me, that's a really good indication that you're finding a voice that's going to work. I know you know the material. I know you know the content. <laughs> if you feel like you as you talk about it, I think that we're going to be in really good shape. So it was it was a treat for me to hear it. I feel like this time I feel like me channeling Emily as opposed to higher etiquette where it felt like um, me letting everyone in a bit to a part of my world I had never talked about before. Mm-hmm. And so it was it's it's kind of fun that it's a little bit different this time around. But um, thank you very much. And thank you, audience, for indulging me in that. Oh, oh um, you're not getting out of this section that no, easily, oh, my cousin. No, oh, I can't just let us get to some questions. No, 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 no. People on this show have heard you read in your Emily voice. Whenever you crack out the 22 edition, there there comes this slight affectation to your English. And <laughs> I wouldn't call it slight. It's pretty heavy. <laughs> I like it. And it's not that the whole new book is, is read in that tone, but um, I would really like you to share some of the, the writing from this book as it's happening here on the show. And I know that's a big ask. Aww. It's a bit of a risk. And I don't even know if we're allowed <laughs> to do it, but... I started to imagine to myself how nice it would be for our audience to have the experience that I got to have a little earlier this week. We'll tell you what. We'll make a deal with you. If you pick the sections that you think are worthy for our audience to hear, I will read one or two of them in an upcoming Postscript segment. How's that? That's a deal. Okay, cool. Okay, with that out of the way, hopefully Dan will forget about it. And let's get to some questions. Let's do it. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom, and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. StoryWorth. 
Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions and you can email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also find us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with any social media post so that we know you want your question on the show. Our first question this week has to do with being a neat neighbor. Dear Lizzie and Daniel, I've always felt that cleanliness was a sign of respect for both oneself and others. My mother, on the other hand, really doesn't understand that, and I'm struggling to get her to understand why this matters. My mother lives in a beautiful, well-maintained neighborhood, but her lawn is often sloppy and overgrown. I've mentioned more than once that she needs to get it taken care of on a more regular basis, out of respect for her neighbors. But she seems to take it as a personal attack. What would you say to her? Thanks. Best wishes, M. Oh, M, there's a lot of things I want to say, but I, I want to address both of you because I think that um, on the one hand, if this isn't a residence that you share with your mother, um, I think I could understand why she feels personally attacked when you're telling her that her house looks like the sloppiest on the street. There's also a thought out in the world that doesn't suggest that messiness equates to disrespect. And I think there are lines where that can be drawn. And I think that when we start talking about a neighborhood and, and places people drive through regular things like that, I think that, that you know, we, we get to question some, some of that. But how other people take care of and present themselves is something that typically in etiquette, we really try to let the individual lead with. And I think my suggestion, and Dan, you can tell me if I'm, I'm wrong, but might be um, to actually make it more personal and about you so that it feels less about her. And I might flip my approach and say, boy, mom, to me, I really, I really value how wonderful it feels when I pull up to my house and I see my lawn mode and my this and my that. It, it makes me feel so like ready and welcoming to the neighborhood to talk about some of the positives that you have about it. My sister won me over with this. I'm a messy person, Em. I'm a messy person by nature. And my sister really won me over on the making your bed daily. And it's become something that I covet. And I know other listeners have said, oh, no, 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 no. Messy bed is the thing that makes me feel wonderful every day. But for my sister, it was the phrase messy bed, messy head. And during a time where I was struggling, I used that to just help me feel like I had one thing that I took care of for myself that was really lovely. And for me, that was climbing into that fresh made bed. Um, and it it's funny how much it was her expressing it from her perspective and what it had done for her to make her feel good that let me jump on board as opposed to having her say to me, oh, my gosh, Lizzie, 
you know, you would just be better and you would be more respectful if you made your bed every day. I mean, I know nobody sees it, but it would be better. And that felt like judgment. But hearing her perspective and hearing how it how it worked for her made me want to try it for myself. What I love about that idea is it involves a conversation that's quite personal. And in some ways, I think that's the only way to have this conversation well, because as you pointed out, on a superficial level, on that sort of exterior of our social expectations, you're right. We don't necessarily comment on people's appearance or the appearance of someone's home. And, and I think those two are, are sort of parallel ideas that we can definitely equate here. And at the same time, it's important for the people that we're close to to get good feedback and information about yes. how we appear to others. So having those conversations is important. How you have them is also incredibly important. And Again, I, I, I really like this very personal approach that you're taking, Lizzie, where you're, you're talking about from your perspective how you see it, how it makes you feel, and you're not calling on them to take action or calling them out on actions that they haven't taken. And that's a, it's, it's a subtle line to walk. I think there are a couple of approaches that could achieve it, but you're, you're getting to that place where you're not embarrassing or shaming someone for what they've done. You're not prescribing behavior for them moving forward. Right. You're not like educating. <laughs> and at the same time, you kind of are. You're, you're, you're providing information about you're how other people might perceive it. And yeah. also you're giving some context. And you're, you're right. Neighborhoods are shared spaces. So while your home is potentially your castle, is a very private personal space, how we navigate where that crosses into our participation in that larger neighborhood is an important social question. Absolutely. And there are some some things to consider. Some people don't mow their lawns, you know, to help insect populations. Other people think it really needs to be done to control insect populations and rodent populations and things like that. Some people like that kind of freer, um, I don't want to say messier, but just kind of more wild look uh, oh, to meadow. a garden or to a yard. Yeah, of a meadow, of those kinds of things. And it's it's hard to know without knowing this exact situation up close and personal, you know, exactly what the right thing to do would be. But it is important for us to open up our perspectives just a little bit, um, not saying that that doesn't mean, you know, taking care of and keeping a... a a, I'm trying to think maybe a welcoming appearance is is a good way to frame it as opposed to a neat and tidy appearance, but a welcoming appearance, an approachable appearance. To me, that idea is a really um, it's an important one. It's an opportunity to transition to some really practical advice, which is okay, that people it. do view lawns differently mm -hmm. for someone who takes great pride in his lawn and thinks a lot about <laughs> whether I set my mowing deck at an inch and a half, two inches or two and a half. But... <laughs> I think one way to talk with your mother about is to talk about aesthetics, make it a more interesting conversation. What is a look mm. and a feel for her home that she would be invested in and could get behind? And those meadow lawns can be beautiful. Sometimes it involves uh, trimming the edges with a weed whacker so that the right. meadow looks maintained and looks like a, like, like the, you're presenting something. This is a wildflower and bees space, but it looks kept. <laughs> uh, totally. And, would you and, offer and, to help? I'm curious. I absolutely would. That's the other yeah, sort of practical can, thought right? is that, that that conversation about what you might want and what you would aspire to can can lead you into an opportunity to say, I'd love to help out with that or I'd love to help you find um, someone in the neighborhood who cares for lawns or could help out with this. And 
that's another angle of approach that I think is really important to keep in mind. Whenever you raise a problem or a difficulty, if you can also think about being part of the solution, it's a great way to build standing and um, show respect in that conversation. Um, we really hope that this helps. And who knows, maybe taking care of the lawn and the look of the house can be something that you and your mom end up bonding over. You know, this is beginning to be quite a family project. It certainly is. Of course, this is more than a story of wallpaper and slip covers. It's a story of improvements in the tailors themselves. For they are a far happier and better family since they learn to share the work at home. Okay, Dano, our next question is titled Courteous Conflict. Dear Dan and Lizzie, I love, love, love your podcast. I have been listening to you for almost a year now, and I can tell you with absolute certainty that my behavior has changed for the better. Thank you for pushing me to be more compassionate. On this note, I find myself dealing with a pretty serious problem. My husband and I were invited to a social distancing gathering at let's call him Mr. X's house. Mr. X was a gracious host and set a beautiful backyard dinner for us with delicious food, candles, and wine. One guest, let's call him Mr. G, started to voice his opinions on the Black Lives Matter movement that were insensitive and incendiary towards the black community. I believe it's important to voice that we were all white people at this gathering. My unwavering belief is that, as Elie Wiesel said, we must take sides. Neutrality helps the oppressor, never the victim. As I feel very passionate about BLM and any injustices to any minorities, I felt the necessity to voice my concerns and my beliefs on this subject, trying as much as possible to listen, state facts, and talk with purpose and respect. Wow. Sorry, I was just impressive reading that. This tactic was not upheld by Mr. G, saying that I was getting sucked into social media <clears throat> and then we'll, we'll <laughs> excuse the language that came next. Bullpucky. He was rude, offensive, and divisive. I chose at that moment to not react too fiercely out of respect for our host. Dan and Lizzie, I tried my very best to keep things relatively calm, but ended up leaving the dinner very sad and frustrated. I have two questions. As I was not in my home and keeping in mind the effort of our gracious host, Mr. X, was I right to not push the matter, considering the seriousness of the subject? Secondly, I am now of the mind to keep my distances from someone who used to be a close friend, Mr. G. In this situation, do I A, just stop being his friend as I cannot condone such insensitivity? Or B, do I try to communicate my frustration with him and try to have a healthy debate in a neutral environment? Many thanks. Belief versus friendship. Oh, boy. Belief versus friendship. Thank you so much for this question. I am, first of all, really glad that the show has been useful for you. I'm glad that you found it. And I'm glad that you're participating with a question like this. You are describing a situation that is in some ways one of the most difficult that I could imagine myself facing. I think that I would mm -hmm. personally find this very, very difficult. And I want to applaud you for the way that you handled yourself, the way you conducted yourself that night, the number of things that you're trying to keep track of and sort through dealing with that is really difficult. Your role as a guest, your relationship to the host, your relationship to another guest, your relationship to what's actually being talked about that you care so, so, so much about your relationship to the other guests who are a witness to this whole experience. 
there is a lot going on here and it's so fraught. And I just want to start off by applauding you for making a good effort, for saying what you thought was important, for listening, for trying to show respect to someone else, and for your willingness to moderate your own behavior and the intensity of your own reaction in response to the situation or environment that you found yourself in. Not knowing exactly where you chose to draw the line in the moment, what the specific words were, the tone of the conversation, when you said to yourself, you know, this isn't going well, I'm going to exit this conversation. It's hard to to make an assessment about whether that was the right choice in that moment. But looking at how you've approached this whole situation, how you're thinking about it, I trust that you probably made a good choice um, and that if you didn't, you did the best you could at that time with the information that you were working with and – I also want to applaud the reflection that's following this, that you're thinking about emotionally how it impacted you, that you don't like that, and that you're thinking about how you can control your own behaviors moving forward so you're not left with that feeling again or that you're able to resolve it and, and transition it. And the last thing I want to say before I make some space for Lizzie to jump in here. <laughs> no, keep going. You're fine. <laughs> is that while you, you started off in one of my least favorite situations, a, a really awkward, difficult conversation about something that really matters with someone who's not a good interlocutor, if you can transition this to a situation where you're engaged in good discussion with someone who sees things very differently than you, that's one of my favorite things in life. And it happens so rarely. It's a, a really rich opportunity if you can do it well. It's really hard to do well. So those opportunities are fewer and further between than I would like. But I also like that you're thinking about that as one of the possible outcomes. And Right. To have that healthy, neutral debate, you know, or, or sorry, healthy debate in a neutral environment. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and with respect <clears throat> where you can acknowledge someone else's um, value as a person and yeah. have a real disagreement with them about a particular perspective. I, I, I love to be able to interrogate that and work that out <clears throat> with someone. So I, I want to head that direction, but there's a lot of steps. <laughs> Yeah, no, there are a lot of steps. And I think um, in in addressing uh, your your second question to us, um, I think that which was the one that was a do I just stop being the friend or B, do I try and find that healthy debate in a neutral um, environment to communicate my frustration with him? Um, I think that that's where I say I think really hard uh, because this is somebody I know um, about who they are and how how likely that conversation is to go well. And I'm not saying don't have the conversation if you can't have it well. Um, but I am saying really think about it. Um, I had I had this type of situation in a in a friendship. Um, and it's really hard. It was a, a friendship that had a lot of deep rooted meaning in my life. And yet, this person had some views that really, really rattled me. And we got to the point twice in one year where we weren't speaking to each other for long periods of time. And we came out of the second version of that. And I said to him, I love you very much. There is nothing that can change all of the good things that I do see in you and in our friendship and the times that we've shared. There's just nothing that can change that. But it's very clear to me that there are topics that we don't see eye to eye on to such a degree that when we're in frequent contact, they become big problems between us and it's not healthy and it, it means we can't have a friendship. And so I'm fine with us 
kind of engaging in a way that allows us to celebrate some of the good history that we've had, but it has to be limited because otherwise it moves into these spaces that we just, we, we don't see eye to eye and no amount of either one of us trying to convince or educate or offer perspective to the other person has changed it over years. So I think we have to recognize that, that that's too big a divide for us to be hanging out regularly. And that's the, that is the closest I have had to this type of, of situation going on. And that is the, I can, I can only offer you kind of honestly what I did in my own life right there. Um, but it was to try and have the conversation in a way that identified sort of what our friendship is and that that, that doesn't kind of have to be lost. We still went to concerts together and had a good time, but that, it it might not be as big a part of our future if this is really where we're at. And I think that um, you can try to have the, the, as you said, healthy debate. I think that it is really hard to do. And I would prepare myself um, much in the ways that I think you handled yourself in, in your in the moment, kind of sprung it on you debate version of it. Um, but I would... Think really hard for myself. How far am I willing to go? How far am I willing to push? How far am I willing to let my emotions go to feel like I'm in a healthy debate? And at what point does it start to not feel healthy? That way, if you try to approach that conversation, you kind of have some benchmarks for yourself. And you can even say, you know, I said I wasn't going to get to the point where I could feel my heart racing and my heart's racing. So I know I probably have to be the one to disengage right now. You know, thing, things like that. I'm in my head for this conversation. I'm breaking out that kind of mental strategy. I, I think that's good advice because and like you, I was thinking to myself that option A or B are both valid. That depending oh, yeah, on totally. who this person is and how much energy you feel you want to invest in it. In in your example, exactly. this person was someone you were quite close with. In this situation, maybe there's more of a distance and it's easier just and to you say can let it go. that distance is going to be the thing. Or yeah. you might say, you know, I, this is a rich opportunity. <laughs> I'd love to, right, uh, to right. see if I, can, if I can dig in and engage here and affect some change or at least um, provide myself the opportunity to represent myself the way I'd like if we weren't in the environment where I'm not hosting and I don't know, I don't have enough um, control of the environment to really be comfortable engaging fully. Yeah. Yeah. The Dan, for beliefs first friendship, take us away with something positive. I'd like to offer a virtual hug here. And it's it's not just for the purpose of making everyone feel better. I It's a thought that occurred to me as I was reading this question, which is don't undersell the value of what you did that night. Don't think that it didn't have any impact because the person that you were speaking with didn't register and didn't treat you respectfully. Because, you know, that's really true. And it reminds me of another point, And that's that it's easy to feel like the offensive language, um, the thing that you're upset about hearing is the biggest thing in the room because it's 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 got shock to it. You know what I mean? And especially when it's coming from some uh, from a friend you care about, or maybe it's the first time you're hearing someone express that um, uh, type of viewpoint. It's important to remember, and I think this kind of ties on to, to your point, that your viewpoint is just as valid. And if you're in a situation where someone has, has tossed this thing sort of literally out on the table um, and your host is not doing anything to redirect the conversation – 
um, I would say that you are equally as valid for tossing out yours. And uh, it sounds like you did so in a way that you can feel respectful about. And I think that's one of those ways to always take the higher road, even when you choose to engage, is to really try and conduct yourself in a manner that you feel, um, you know, like you can be, be proud of. Um, but it it is one of those things that I think I often have to remember in these tough moments, which is, wait a minute, wait a minute, what I have to contribute is valid, too, and I don't need to let the other thing be the biggest thing in the room. I'm big, too. <laughs> I'm, I'm big, too. Yes. But a, a final thought to sort of end on is that it wouldn't be a bad idea to reach out to Mr. X and say thank you because you you have stated how beautiful this spread was and how much effort went into this evening. And I think connecting uh, the next day or later on or, or even now at this point in time to say, boy, you know, I know the, the conversation kind of took a turn um, to the combative, but I just want to let you know the evening we had was so wonderful and it was so clear how much effort you had put into it. Um, you know, I hope, I hope the conversation didn't ruin it for you, but I definitely look back on it fondly. I think say fondly, man, obviously use your own language. Um, <laughs> but I think that that would be a really good move to make in this type of situation. Belief versus friendship. We hope that your beliefs lead the way to many strong friendships in the future. You might say our ideals are like headlights. They light the way ahead. Without them, we are lost, unable to make decisions. With them, we have a good chance of success. We need clear, strong ideals. Our next question is about a carpool conundrum. Dear Lizzie and Daniel, I enjoy listening to your podcast. I appreciate the solutions you devise for people's problems, and I'm hoping you might have one for mine. I'm a high schooler, not a conventional etiquette podcast listener. (laughs) I am part of a soccer club that meets a little ways from where I live, so my parents have to drive me to and fro. Sometimes we organize carpools with my fellow teammates. Most times it is me, my parent, and my teammates. Now, I experience an unusual discomfort while deciding where in the car to sit in these circumstances. Whenever my teammates' parents transport me back and forth, my teammates always sit in the front and I in the back. This is fine with me, but if my parent is picking us up, I will sit in the back next to my teammate. I feel like this is more polite, since sitting in the front somehow feels like I am shunning my teammates. Also, it is quite uncomfortable looking back at them to talk. As I'm writing this, it feels obvious that I should just sit in the back with my teammate. I guess the uncomfortable part of it all is that there is an empty passenger seat, and my teammates are probably wondering why I am not sitting there. What is the politest thing to do in these exhausting carpool situations? Thank you, Lauren. Lauren, thank you so much for writing in about this. This is actually funny. Um, I had this happen and it taught me a little bit about a different culture, but it was the idea of who sat where when you're carpooling that, that, 
that got it all going. Um, I think you're right that typically you and your teammate sitting in the back together so that you can talk easily, chat easily. A lot of parents are really used to that. Um, if it's not going to be kind of a whole car discussion where the parent is involved a lot, I think you're right. Sitting in the back is not a big deal. That being said, I know what you mean that it kind of creates that feeling of like mom or dad is a taxi driver and the parent is a taxi driver. And chauffeur. The in the back. Chauffeur. <laughs> like, you know, chauffeur, whatever, whichever, uh, uh, Lyft, Uber driver, <laughs> like, you know. But I think that as long as your parent is okay with it, I think it makes more sense for you to sit in the back with your friend and then when they get out, you jump up to the front seat with your parent. And of course, if there's like if you're bringing home two people, the other two could sit in the back. You sit up front with your parent and you do lean backwards, you know, turn around to talk to them or do your best to, you know, I don't know, use use the mirror to look at them or something like that. But that's what I see for this. Dan, if you'll indulge my running mouth for just a little longer. I had it happen where I was in a soccer group that I was running and uh, two of the guys in the group had just come over to America. Um, one was from Jordan and one was from Baghdad. And they were having trouble with the bus schedule getting out to the soccer field to be in time and not then have to wait like another two hours, you know, alone at the soccer field before going home for the night. And so I said, yeah, of course, I'll drive you guys. They were right on my way. It was really, really easy. I knew one of them, Ahmed, better than I knew the other one, Omar. And so I figured Ahmed would sit up front with me. And instead, Omar got up front with me. And it was really funny. But later when Ahmed and I were chatting, and Ahmed actually wound up like spending Christmases and Thanksgiving with our family. Dan, you you know Ahmed. But it was really interesting. He said, yeah, because uh, Omar's older than me, I would never consider getting in the front seat before him. Like, if he offers it to me, maybe... But like, no, I would never, ever, 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 ever get in the front seat. He gets that respect and privilege. I like that idea of identifying the front seat as a sort of a privileged position or like that's the <laughs> the best seat in the house if we were equating it to which seat at the table you would give a guest of honor. I love how you like it. And I'm like, ah, does it really matter? <laughs> well, but because it, it gives me a structure. It gives me a way to start thinking about it. <laughs> um because the other structure that I was applying is the hosting structure. And I, the answer that you came up with that you sort of settled on for yourself of moving from the back seat to the front seat so that you're engaged with the person that is the relationship that you're kind of prioritizing at that moment. And if there's a guest, yeah. the guest becomes that priority. So you, you, you give your attention, your focus to them. You join them in the back seat. Um, but that in the absence of that guest, then your attention shifts to the parent. They become the primary relationship concern and you sit up front with them. The idea of offering that front seat to someone as a point of privilege, I think something that comes up where you've got those age discrepancies. We see that a lot. You know, the 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 person who's more elderly gets the front seat, the easier seat to get in and out of, um, the seat with the better view. But if the more you, controls. <laughs> if you and your peers are all on the same level I think your hosting consideration starts to be the, the thing I'd be thinking about the most. And as a host, the other thought I have is that taking the best seat as a host might feel a little awkward. And I can see how you might watch a Offer friend it to someone else. <laughs> you, you, you might think think that would be appropriate or that you shouldn't take it in the absence of them doing it. And that that creates a little bit of a difference in terms of how you see your friends approaching it. I wouldn't try to correct them, but I, I understand where this – 
maybe like a little bit of dissonance is coming from that this is the way I would do it, but this isn't the way everyone treats me. Well, and in that particular situation, so let's say let's say that we're thinking of the passenger front seat as like a seat of honor and you decide to give it to one of your teammates on a carpool home, then you've got your teammate in the position of really riding up front with your parent who they know probably less well than they do you. And then they're in the position of having to turn around to face and talk to everyone in the back. And that starts to become to me no longer a seat of would you call it privilege, but instead a seat of work or like maybe even awkwardness if you feel left out of the conversation in the back, you know? I do. And as this gets more and more complicated, there become more and more factors to think about. I say it also to myself, becomes more and more fun to like geek out on it for a minute because it's a, it's like a delicious little question of etiquette. It, it is. And let's, let's, let's remove the exhaustion from it. I like that idea of it being delightful. Um, as a host, whatever choices you're making or considerations are coming into play, I think good communication is the good etiquette. Um, yes, always. I'm going to hop in the back because I'd so much rather be talking with you than my mother. I talk to her all the time. <laughs> um, is, is a totally reasonable okay, maybe thing that's to say. not considerate to mom. Okay. But... <laughs> uh, <laughs> the allowances we take with those uh, that are – Absolutely closest to us aside. Um, (laughs) Something like that. The other thought I have is similar communication could work if you were going to let your guest's comfort guide you as a host where you might offer the guest their choice. Say, uh, oh, we're headed – would you like the front seat or hop in the back? My sample scripts are failing because – but the the idea of offering (laughs) it to someone – It's because you haven't been carpooling with anybody in months. (laughs) You're, you're, you're kind for giving me an out. Um, we call you the master of sample scripts for a reason. But I know that <laughs> I know that you could make that offer, particularly people um, who get carsick, who like to look around, who yeah. um, might think of themselves as a friend of your parents as well as you, because some parents right. are like that. Where it might be cool or fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think you're, you'd be fine to make that offer. I think you're fine to do what you're doing. I think communication is every host's best friend. Lauren, thank you so much for writing in. Please, please, please write in with more questions. Ask your friends what their etiquette questions are. We love getting teenage perspectives. And of course, go team. If I had a car like that, I'd really be popular. Everybody would want to be friends with me then. Why, I'd be the most popular guy at school. Nothing like a flashy car to make a big impression. I know one thing. June, it sure looks good driving with me in a car like this. Our next question is titled, The Right Way to Reach Out. Dear Lizzie and Dan, I am friends with a woman through a community charity group in which we are both very active. She is several decades younger than me. However, when we see each other in person or virtually, which is several times a month at least, we are very friendly. At the end of a recent meeting, she said to everyone that in order to avoid confusion, she is just letting us know that her husband, Sam, not his real name, has transitioned and is now her wife, Samantha. Fortunately, everyone on the meeting took it well and was very respectful. My question is, despite her calm approach, this had to be a difficult period for her. As chairman of this group, I am not sure if I should just reach out to her to see if she's doing okay. She seems to be fine, but this has to be a major adjustment, of course. 
I want to show concern, but I don't want to impose on her private space or make this sound like this is a horrible thing and that I think she needs help or counseling or whatever. What's the line between kindness and intrusiveness? Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Thank you. Concerned or crowding? Concerned or crowding? Thank you so much for the question. I think that you have done a good job of identifying the line that you want to walk here, that you want to be a supportive friend. And at the same time in doing that, you don't want to overstep and start to cross a line where your offers of support start to become intrusive, start to become something that gets into areas of people's lives that they don't want to share or um, aren't comfortable sharing with you in particular. So my first piece of etiquette advice in a situation like this is to watch the other person for clues. You're talking about uh, wanting to have a tier three conversation, something that's the most intimate and personal that someone might talk about, something that involves family or health or even finances. But in this case, we'll say family and health, people's physical bodies. In order to have one of those conversations, you need to have some clue that you've got permission to have it. And you've really got to get your antenna out to feel what that what form that permission comes in. Sometimes the permission to talk about someone's kids are just the, the pictures that they have displayed in their office. Other times it's something that they mention or say. And while she's opened the door for that conversation a little bit, she's also done a pretty good job. And we don't know exactly what she said based on the question of putting some boundaries around that conversation by telling people that she's letting them know so that they don't feel caught off guard or surprised or confused. And to me, that also says, so I'm telling you about this. I'm telling you why I'm telling you about it. And that's going to give you that little bit of more information that you need to know why I'm bringing this up and to make choices yourself. And I also think this is also a, a situation where it can be really common to have not known anything was going on, that nobody brought it up or talked about it over the past few months. It signals to me that your friend really believed it was something private within her family and that that was something she wasn't telling to friends or, or at least within this particular friendship. And I, I would use that as a clue. And I think you already are because you're thinking of things like, you know, boy, would it be intrusive to even identify that this this announcement was made? So I, I do think your head is in the right space. You can always just I mean, this person has shared news with you. Um, as Dan said, the way that the news was shared, the language that, that at least we've been told it was shared in is fairly non-inviting of questions and things like that. You might do a friend check-in where you say something like, hey, I know you shared big news and I've always felt that we were close. And if it was a subject you wanted to talk to me about, I just wanted to let you know I'm I'm here for you. And that doesn't try to say, you know, you've gone through a hard time and I'm so concerned or I had no idea this was going on for you. She's aware that you probably had no idea this was going on for her. Um, and so I think just just simply acknowledging you shared big news. I've always felt that we were close and, and I just want to let you know I'm here. That to me at least might get you somewhere in terms of someone saying, oh, thanks, I appreciate it and moving on. And that would be a real good indication that we're not really going to talk about that yet or or that it's not a, a topic that's going to enter into your friendship with this person. Or they might just start bringing things up more now that this is something that has been publicly shared. 
And you might actually find that that your friend lets you know more about what's been happening in their life now that they're starting to put out there. And there might be questions along the way. I have a friend whose sister transitioned later in life. And my friend uh, got to a moment in a conversation with her sister where she was uh, telling a story from their past. And she realized she had to ask her sister, when we're addressing you before you transitioned, how do you prefer to be uh, like, how do you prefer that we tell those stories? And the sister said, you know, oh, uh, you know, you can describe me as as male then. You can uh, use my name from back then. That's okay. That's who I was to you then. That's who I was to me then. So you can see how it's a process. But the biggest takeaway, at least that I can find, is that it should always be something that you want to be directed by the individual experiencing it first and foremost. Um, and I think that's that's really important to remember. Concerned recrowding, I think that you're doing a good job of figuring out how to be a good ally to your friend in this moment. And you're asking the right questions and you're approaching it in a really thoughtful and considerate way. The final thought that I want to leave you with is that oftentimes providing a a consistency or a normalcy in the world is a way to provide a lot of support for someone. And a little bit like on an earlier question, I, I wanted to assure someone or or, or make the, the comment that you may have accomplished more than you think with the actions that you are taking. You might accomplish more than you think by just consistently being a good friend and charity group leader and host for your friend as she moves through this period in her life. Thank you so much for the question. We hope our thoughts help and that you continue to have a great friendship with this person. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are awesomeetiquette. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show. Hey friends, if you love awesome etiquette, we want to invite you to become a sustaining member. Please visit us at patreon.com slash awesome etiquette. You'll get an ads-free version of the show and access to bonus questions and content. Plus, you'll feel great knowing that you helped keep awesome etiquette on the air. And to those of you who are already sustaining members, thank you so much for your support. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And today we hear from Lucy about episode 305. Dear Lizzie and Dan, thank you for your most recent podcast episode number 305 that included a conversation with big friendship authors Ann Friedman and Aminatu So. It was two worlds colliding in the best of ways. Of the several go-to podcasts I listen to each week, Awesome Etiquette and Call Your Girlfriend are in my top four along with On Being with Krista Tippett and the eponymously named The Ezra Klein Show. Other podcasts sprinkle in here and there, but you are my gold standard. I am writing to let you know how much I enjoyed hearing some of my favorite hosts conversing with each other. It made me smile. And it also helped to clarify the imperative of etiquette to nurture and maintain strong friendship bonds. 
I have had success and failure at friendship in my life. I've not always understood how to manage friendships with the care that they deserve and have paid the price for friendships lost. So it was especially good to hear the discussion and learn from the wisdom shared as I continue learning and living a life that is a work in progress. With deep appreciation, Lucy. I feel you on the friendship front, Lucy. They are not easy. Um, and it was really inspirational to talk to two friends who have had some bumps in their friendship. So I'm really, really glad that you liked it. We loved having them. And again, we hope in the future, it's always in the future, <laughs> we hope to do more of that. And, and Lucy, thank you for clustering us with the Ezra Klein Show and On Being. Um, I'm familiar with both of them, and they're excellent. <laughs> that is high praise. Thank you. <laughs> Now we'll hear from another listener, also on episode 305, but this time on Tipping Restaurant Owners. Dear Lizzie and Dan, after binging 300-plus episodes, I am finally <laughs> listening in live time and am Welcome. now doing so— Welcome to our present-day lives! <laughs> I know, right? And am now doing so on Patreon, as I have become a sustaining member. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I wanted to share a thought on tipping restaurant owners or managers who may be serving you. My first service job was in a hotel restaurant, and simply based on its location, the volume of customers could be hit or miss on any given shift. If a server was unexpectedly busy, our manager would step in and wait tables with us. When asked if he would accept a tip, he always stated, yes, thank you. I'll make sure that Mary receives this, as it should have been her table, but she's been very busy. This way, oh. the customers received the service they deserved, the server still made money, and the team came together. Sincerely grateful. Grateful. I think that when that is, is possible, that is amazing. Um, and that is such a... So classy. Like, so, so classy. This honestly grateful, this should be an etiquette salute. <laughs> like, thank you for giving it to us as feedback. Um, but this is that, is, that is really classy behavior right there. Thank you so much for sharing it. And thank you to everyone who sent us something. Keep your thoughts and updates coming. You can send your next piece of feedback or update on your question to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And this week, we're going to continue our image assessment. And it's time for assembling your team. But first, a very quick check-in. How did it go? Did you do it? <laughs> um, remind me what my homework assignment was. Oh, that's <laughs> right. There was homework for these Postscripts. Well, <laughs> let's do a quick refresher. Let's do a quick reminder about last week's postscript, just in case anyone okay. wasn't here. We're doing a three-part yeah. series, a three-postscript series on image assessment. And this came out of our discussion with the Call Your Girlfriend hosts. And the idea was that we were going to do a little assessment, a little self-assessment with the idea being to bring into harmony the way we see ourselves and the way other people see us or to develop a deeper understanding of how we're perceived by others. So week one's assignment was to do a very reduced exercise, a very reduced version of a larger self-image assessment, which involves describing yourself and the limitation that we put on that was to keep it really short, to make it a descriptive sentence with three parts or to use uh, three words that described you well. It's tough because we're all big, complicated people. So telling our <laughs> stories very quickly isn't easy. You, you 
stealing my language already, cuz. <laughs> That's right. Lizzie Post described herself as complicated and refused to give two other words to describe herself. I said complex and upset. And then you said you said complex rule breaker and I forget what the third one was. <laughs> the point here is really to perceive yourself with brevity because that's oftentimes the way you're described by other people the the narrative stories that we tell about each other are very quick oh she's amazing she's the sweetest person you've ever met she's so kind amazing sweet kind that's your that's your brand that's the sort of very sort of peripheral first level of an image assessment so the assignment last week was to think about those three words how would you if you were to be really honest with yourself, accurately describe yourself, not your aspirational next self, but you, you right <laughs> now. <laughs> I said at the end of our show last week, it's an easy assignment to give. It's a hard assignment to do. Applying that that eye, that critical eye to yourself or trying to ask yourself how you present, not how you feel, isn't an easy thing to do. So what were your three words? We are not doing reporting on three words right now, Lizzie Post. <laughs> Y'all, that is the teacher not doing the homework assignment. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Lead us away. Teach, lead us away. What's today's assignment? <laughs> so now we have to assemble the team, the, the people that are going to help us uh, continue to develop our, our image assessment. Am I team do i get to help you develop your three words since you didn't do the assignment something you don't know lizzie post is that you've been on my team for 10 years i've been on your team for 10 years oh man you have feel special you've, you've pretty much been on my team for that amount of time since you came back to vermont too <laughs> exactly the it, well and, and actually this is a good entry because the idea of getting your team together is that you want to start to cultivate some perspectives that are not your own. So you want to think about three people, and this is the assignment for this week, who you could ask to help you do a really simple image exercise to um, be part of your image team, and it won't be a lot of work for them. Don't worry, this isn't a big ask of someone else. Ooh, can I ask a question about the team that you choose to assemble? Please. Do you think that it that it necessarily needs to have people who are super close to you? I feel like trust is a big factor here, but close, maybe not. Absolutely. And I know that sounds weird, but you can trust people you're not close with. <laughs> well, the, so the elaboration here, the, the development of the assignment is that you want to think about three people who know you in different capacities. If okay. you build an image team out of your three closest friends, they're going to share with you very similar perspectives. If right. you choose people – If it's just your work people or just your family, they're, you're right. It's going to be too, ex- too kind of similar. Exactly. So when I'm doing this assignment with working professionals, I always say you want to be sure if this is about a professional image assessment that you include people who know you professionally. Include a colleague who you work with on a regular basis. Include a colleague – who you work with consistently, but maybe there's more distance. There's more space in the relationship. You don't see them every yeah. day or the the check-ins are, happen in a different kind of way. You communicate with them via Zoom chats instead of in person, whatever it is. But you can't go so far down the re- list of like out of out of regular contact with you that they actually don't have a good sense of you. Exa- you know? Exactly. So th- there is a little bit of thinking that goes into who you would want to ask. But there's one person okay. who's usually a pretty easy choice. And that's the person who's the closest to you. And you want to pick someone who you feel very close to, someone who you feel knows you very well. And that would definitely be you in this case in my so life. So big surprise. That's you, you are my example of the person I am very close to <laughs> who's on my image team. 
Um, totally. And, and, and that's gonna we're, we're gonna tease that out a little bit more. There's a reason that 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 you're that example. But I tell people this this could be a best friend, a spouse, a partner. Um, a colleague who you work with every day and have have a real rapport with. And you want to lean on that uh, very close connection, that very personal relationship, because they're going to help do a few things that go just a little bit beyond what you're going to ask everyone else to help with. So you've chosen some people that know you in different capacities, particularly capacities that you're interested in investigating. I oftentimes say someone who knows you very closely, someone who's in sort of an intermediate sphere of your social circle and then someone who's closer to the periphery or that sort of tertiary outer territory if you were to think about your friend's locations to you as a physical distance. <laughs> um, but still knows you well within that periphery. <laughs> yeah, it's a good representative <laughs> that of that circle. Exactly. Because, yeah. uh, like, I mean, I definitely have people on that outer circle. I'm like, yeah, no, Jim just totally doesn't get me. But that's okay. It's like, you know, we, we shared this space and that's fine. And that person probably is too far out of that circle. <laughs> yes. Although if Jim was someone who you knew well enough at the club and you were curious how you came across at the club, <laughs> you might choose them for a different kind of reason. Um, The thing that you're going to ask your image team to do, and I'm going to say go ahead and write them down. In the same way I said write down the three words that you would use to describe yourself or the simple sentence you would use to describe yourself. I'm also going to encourage you or ask you, our listeners, the people who are playing along out there, to write down the names of the three people that you think would be good people to assemble on your team. And if you're out and about right now on a run or walking the dog, just shout them out. Let's see what the people around you do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no? <laughs> that could work. You know, anything. Something that will help you remember. Something that will help you remember the moment, remember the choices that you that you make. And the ask that you're going to make of them is, of course, the very simple, obvious ask. That you're going to ask them to write down three words that they would use to describe you or to describe you in a simple sentence that has three parts. So you're going to ask them to mirror the exercise that we all tried last week. And you're going to see what they say. And it's not an easy thing to do to ask other people what they think of you but it can be really powerful it can be illuminating and it can be illuminating in a number of different ways so i i really want to strongly encourage anyone who's thinking oh this might be interesting to take that uncomfortable (laughs) and awkward step across the line and give yourself permission to give it a try and also if you get back stuff that's just like oh sweet funny kind and everybody says that kind of stuff it either may be true that that's who you are or we're not picking the right people to reflect you need to give them some encouragement to go a little deeper (laughs) yes and at the same time i I wouldn't suggest giving too much direction you really want to let them you don't want to lead them yeah you don't and by The nature of this assignment and one of the reasons I feel so comfortable giving it is that most people are, as Lizzie points out, going to choose positive attributes. And I – the surprising result of this exercise for many people that do it is that it's just delightful, that it's so much fun to give other people (laughs) permission (laughs) to tell us how good we are or what they they admire or respect about us. And it's it's not a way that we often talk to each other or sometimes it's not a big part of our communication with each other. And um, I think a lot of people anticipate discovering distinction and difference. I think I'm funny. No one else thinks I'm funny. That's really important <laughs> to know. And it is. The, the distinction and difference is – it matters here. Oh, the people that are really close to me understand that I'm hardworking, but the people who I work with think I'm scattered or mm-hmm. unorganized or 
they mm-hmm. chose the kind word to describe it creatively cluttered whatever um, <laughs> who are you talking about cousin <laughs> <laughs> that distinction and difference is, I think, the fear. Oh, I'm I'm going to think this about me and no one else is. But the, the end result often ends up being a discovery of an attribute that is a really positive attribute that isn't something that someone uh, had a strong identification with to begin with. Everyone sees me as loyal. Everyone sees me as committed. I didn't know that about myself, and that's worth knowing. Um, so – that's the one purpose of the team that you've assembled, that they're going to actually help you do this very simple image exercise, this image assessment exercise. As Lizzie has sort of hinted at, that person that's the closest to you is also a real ally in other ways. Because you've introduced mm-hmm. to them the idea of doing self-assessment, they're also someone who you can go a little bit further with, who you might – not only give permission to talk to you about things we don't usually talk with each other about, but you might ask them to help you um, discover things about yourself that people don't often talk about with each other. Mm-hmm. And you might ask them to help you do a personal grooming or hygiene assessment or an assessment mm-hmm. of unconscious habits. Sometimes those are, are uh, nervous tics, physical things people do, crack knuckles, click pens. Sometimes they are mm-hmm. patterns that creep into speech. Because they're habituated actions, they're really hard to identify yourself. And because Mm -hmm. they're such personal things, even the people we're the closest to don't always tell us what they're seeing, thinking, or hearing. And leaning on that really close relationship to start to investigate some of those really personal things that can impact image and how we present and how we're perceived can be so, so, so helpful. And Lizzie Post, you are by that person. We have a (laughs) very open relationship in terms of – the permission we give each other to talk about things, and I lean on it and I count on it. And coffee I, breath, boogers, and long hairs, man. How about the I'm dresser that made my clothes smell like an antique oh, dresser? Oh yeah, and when your clothes smell bad, that's one where it's like that closet smell. If anyone can scientifically tell me what that is, but it's that smell that clothes get sometimes when they're sitting on top of each other for too long or hanging next to each other for too long, and like. I don't know about you. No amount of cedar seems to help. <laughs> uh, no, although I've I've done some things that have helped with that dresser. And the day that we were standing at the copy machine and you told me I smelled funny is a day I appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, I'm noticing something that happens at my house sometime and I'm wondering if I have permission to talk with you about it because it is about like aroma (laughs) like uh, okay what is it (laughs) you've got old closet smell going on on your shirt man it it was a relatively easy fix relatively and just so you know i think it goes the other way too because i've heard you ask me to give you similar kinds of feedback when you're getting ready to go out publicly and present a book and it is a big deal it's so useful to have that outside eye and you can't count on people to talk to you about your appearance if you haven't really uh, given permission to have that conversation because it can feel really awkward for people. It can. It's not easy to welcome people into that space, which is one of the reasons why general etiquette says we don't comment on other people's appearances unless actually asked by them for that comment. (laughs) It's a big risk, you know, anytime that you're willing to look at yourself even bigger when you then invite others in to do that too with a critical eye. And I've got to be honest, we don't always want to muster the energy for it. It it takes a lot. You make a really good point. This is, again, an easy assignment to give, a hard assignment to do. 
um, a, a willingness to look at yourself is risky <laughs> and sort of mentally preparing yourself to um, be delighted, but also to maybe have something pop up that you had no idea about or really wasn't something that you were thinking about when it all began and that you want to stay open to that is really, really worthwhile and will help you get the most out of trying something like this. Lizzie Post, thank you for indulging me. And we'll wrap up next week for a little bit of a discussion about what we maybe discovered and maybe the instructor will take a chance and share his three words. We like to end our show on a high note. So we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world. And that can come in so many forms. Today, we have a salute from Paula. Dear Lizzie and Dan, I'd like to salute an act of kindness I witnessed working as a cashier. The woman I was helping had just finished checking out and still had a gallon-sized Ziploc bag full of coupons. She noticed the couple behind her didn't have any coupons and turned around to offer them some of hers. The couple was confused at first, then so happily surprised by her generosity and thanked her for the coupons. It was nice to see that, especially amid these uncertain times when so many are dealing with financial stress. Thanks, Paula. That is sweet. I actually hadn't heard of that. I mean, like, that's something that I feel like happens in grocery store lines. You're like, oh, here, you know what? I have a coupon if the people behind me need it. You know what I mean? Or something like that. Yeah, but this, use my Advantage card. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Like, oh, they can use my ca- – yeah, that kind of stuff. I, it does happen. Um, but this is, a, this is a nice call out of it. Paula, thank you so much for sharing this with us. Paula, thank you so much. And thank you to everyone for listening. And thank you to everyone else who sent us something. And thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon. Whole lot of thanking going on. Please connect with us and share the show with friends, family, and coworkers, and on social media. You can send us your next question, feedback, or salute to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we're at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we're at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Please, please, please consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting patreon.com slash awesome etiquette. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. And please consider leaving us a review. It does help our show ranking so more people can find awesome etiquette. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks Chris, Chris and, and Bridget. Bridget.